This is Good Schools for All, a show from Voice of San Diego about education, how schools work, how they don't. I'm Scott Lewis. Nearly 500 schools in California are underperforming in most or all of the ways the state tracks them. They're on a list of schools that are failing. We have the story of one of those schools, Porter Elementary School in San Diego. This week, what happens when schools fail with education reporter Will Hunsberry. Will, hello. Scott, hi. What do we need to know to understand this story? Well, I think where you have to start with this story to understand it is a list of schools that the state puts out pretty regularly. And it's a list of schools that are are struggling, I mean, to speak quite frankly. And there's nearly 500 schools that are underperforming on every metric or nearly every metric that the state tracks. So we're not just talking about test scores. We're talking about schools that have really bad suspension rates, really bad absentee rates, also really bad English and math test scores. And the state's new system for tracking this stuff is account is is evolving. So when we say really bad or they're they're not they're not performing up to a standard, does that mean the state has literally drawn a line of what that standard is? Yes, the state has drawn a line. We have something called the California Schools Dashboard where your school can either score red, orange, yellow or green in all these different metrics. And so any school that ends up on this list, it's red in every category or every category but one. And that's nearly 500 schools on the list for that reason. High schools can also get on the list if they have a graduation rate of less than 67%. So that's another 300 schools. The reason we keep this list is because the federal government under President Obama told states, you have to track the most underperforming schools in your state. You have to put out that list. And I think the reason is really clear. It's so we can keep a focus on these schools and make sure that we're doing something urgent to, to help turn them around. Okay. Where did this story begin? Yeah, so around the same time, I was starting to get really interested in this list and following a school on it, a guidance counselor from Porter Elementary here in San Diego contacted me. Porter is on the list. It's right. Porter is on the list. It's one of nine traditional public schools in our area that are on the list. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking as a reporter, like, how do I follow what's actually going on inside these schools? And around that same time, um, Somebody uh, named Kishana Christopher. I'm Kishana Christopher, and I'm a counselor for uh, city schools. Reached out to me, and she told me the school was really having problems. And she said there were two things in particular she really wanted me to pay attention to. And, you know, the first thing she was telling me is that the school's not safe. Um, what concerned me the most, it, it largely was safety. Um, and complaints about safety. It's it's just just there are regular problems where 
a student is having a really tough day and they act out in class and then that shuts down the whole class for an hour because there isn't a plan in place for what to do with that student, you know, and she even talked about one instance of a, a student, a really young student bringing a knife to school and it, it being the same thing. Repeatedly vandalize or terror, terrorize the classroom, uh, making it unsafe, an unsafe learning environment and um, the teacher is unable to to teach. Everyone's day was being affected by these safety issues. All the students who were there to learn, all the teachers who were there to teach, and there weren't great plans in place to deal with it. And the other thing she told me about was special education services. She told me that students would go into their IEP meetings, and that that's where you it's a, a meeting that every student who has special needs, they have a meeting like this, and they're supposed to get a very specific education plan to help them overcome whatever deficits they might have. And, and Miss um, Christopher, she goes into all these meetings, right? She's the guidance counselor. And and what she's telling me is just really astounding. She's, she's telling me that when parents are asking for services or asking to be tested for services, school administrators are systematically denying or delaying these requests and i get that but if they're they are legitimately qualifying for services then there shouldn't be any denial of that um i can see if you know they don't qualify they don't qualify but if they legitimately qualify for services why make it difficult why delay the process why um let them go year after year with the achievement gap growing um, each year, they don't get the help they need. So you are already looking at this list and and then by coincidence, this woman reaches out to you from a school that's on the list? That's exactly right, yeah. And she brings up these concerns and, and what other things are going on at that school? Well, so after I talked to Kishana Christopher, I, of course, wanted to talk to parents and see what it was like for parents in this school. Um, and I was able to reach out to a few different ones and, and get them to talk to me about their really personal experiences. Uh, one amazing person I talked to was Monique Hayes, and she's a parent who's trying really, really, really hard to get services for her three children who go to the school. But like a lot of parents in, uh, in, in Porter Elementary, she does not have a lot of resources. She does not have a lot of money, and, and she doesn't necessarily have the infinite time and energy that it takes to pressure a school to, to give you what you need as a parent, right? Um, but I think her children provide a really good lens into what's happening at the school. So Porter is in Lincoln Park here in San Diego, and uh, that is an area, you know, with a lot less resources than the rest of the city and schools that have historically struggled. And one thing you need to know about the school is it's, it's divided into two campuses. There's a north and a south campus, one for the older kids, one for the younger kids. Hmm. And Monique Hayes has children at both sides of the campus. 
And each day when the school gets out, you know, there's a big transfer of students between campuses. And so as she's picking up her kids every day, you know, she told me just just in this school year alone, she's broken up three fights between kids on this field that's in between the schools. And so she's telling me there's a really bad supervision issue, like there's not enough people out there paying enough attention. Otherwise, why is is she as a parent having to break up this stuff and be on top of this stuff, right? And what else did this parent, uh, Monique Hayes, tell you about? She really talked to me about some problems that spiraled together for her regarding safety and attendance and special service special services for one of her children so her older child was apparently being bullied by another kid at school and this is not something that miss hayes knew about it had been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and then one day her son got kicked in the head by this person who he'd been having confrontations with and you know immediately she showed up to the school after hearing about what had happened and she's like really wanting to know what's going on she's asking staff she's asking her son or her son's being a little cagey because you know that stuff is so sensitive and the 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 teacher there tells her you know these kids have been having problems for a while and and so she kind of flies off the handle because she's like okay they've been having problems for a while like why haven't i been contacted Around that same time, her younger son's teacher recommends that he be tested for reading issues. And Ms. Hayes is like, sure, if that's what you think, let's test him, let's get him the services that he needs. And uh, they organize a meeting about this with the school counselor, the teacher, the mom, the parents, the administrators. And the administrators tell her, you know, your son's having an attendance problem. And we don't really think that we should be testing for this stuff if he's having attendance problems. Why, why don't you see if you can improve his attendance and then we'll think about testing him for reading problems. And they walk out of the meeting and Miss Hayes is talking to the teacher who had made the recommendation immediately. And she's like, so so what happened? And the teacher was like, well, they don't want to do it. They're not going to do the testing right now. And and when you request testing, school's supposed to have 15 days to make sure that testing happens. And so what Miss Hayes had to do was kind of go on this letter writing, emailing campaign after the meeting had ended to ensure that her son got the tests he needed so he'd get the services he needed for reading. Now, was he missing classes or just late or what was the situation with that? Well, uh, he was he was having late issues, but they were also missing classes some because of the older son who was just so horrified at the prospect of going to school. Sometimes he's just like impossible to get out of the house, impossible to get dressed, and, and then everybody ends up missing school. So I think it was a combination of both. And she would say part of the reason is because the environment was so insecure. That's right. Yeah, because it was so unsafe. What else did you learn about the situation that Porter finds itself in. The chronic absenteeism isn't limited to just him. When you look at the stats for Porter Elementary, um, the school has really high chronic absenteeism. And over the years in education, I, I've watched this evolution, and I know you have too, Scott, where 
You know, there's been a real push away from we're going to solely look at a school's test scores and give it an A through F grade based on that. So in this spirit of more nuanced data, California has started considering absenteeism and suspension data alongside test scores in its kind of effort to gauge how healthy a school is, right? But when we look at a school like Porter and we see red for suspension data, red for absentee data, you know, uh, red or orange for test scores, we can look at that school and see that there's something not right going on there, right? That means kids are getting suspended more than they're getting suspended at other schools. Usually these suspensions have racial disparities embedded in them where black kids are getting suspended more than else and black boys especially. Um, And so uh, dealing with these problems uh, obviously is complex. Yeah. So you've got the counselor speaking out, which itself is news. She's spoken to a reporter. You have the data about the school you have this parents experience you have uh, all kinds of things that have come together that each almost could be their own story you managed to get a story together what was the reaction to that yeah well i mean i was really pleased that there was reaction to it um sometimes you do a story you think's really important and it doesn't always pan out that way but the local NAACP got involved, um, and and they had kind of been tracking the problems a little bit already. But then after the story came out, they went to visit the campus. Kishana Christopher, the guidance counselor, was giving them a tour of the campus. And um, the principal and somebody else confronted this group as they were walking across campus and was like, you can't do this right now. You need to either be in Miss Christopher's office or you need to not be on this campus at all. And that same day, the superintendent for all of San Diego Unified School District, Cindy Martin, was on campus. And that's because people were starting to kind of come together to say, like, what is going on here? What's happening? And the NAACP wanted to get involved and be a part of that conversation. We'll be right back. Hey, Nate John here. I'm the producer for this show, and I'm the digital manager at Voice of San Diego. Every year, the staff here at Voice, we get together and we do a lot of work to make one magazine. It's called The Parent's Guide to Public Schools. It's a real paper magazine, and it's online too. If you are a parent of a student in San Diego County, or if you're just an education nerd, then you'll want to check this out. When we get together to make this guide, we spend months coming through data, looking into school performance, learning about the culture of the schools in the region, and perfecting the stories and all the information that goes into this guide. It's part of our mission here at Voice to educate the public and to keep that information free. You can get the most recent version right now at vosd.org schools, plus other information about services we provide around this guide. Again, that's vosd.org schools schools. Now, back to the show. With all these things, obviously you gather all this information, you gather all this feedback, you've got to go at this point to the district, uh, maybe to the school principal, and ask for their reaction. How'd that go? 
So, you know, I, I had trouble getting an official response at first. I mean, I reached out to first I reached out to the board member who represents that area, Sharon Whitehurst Payne. I kind of caught her at a separate community meeting off guard and asked her what she thought about these schools and specifically Porter. And she was very, very um, strong with me in her words, like we have to do something about these schools. But then she kind of left and and we left it at that. And I didn't really know. Uh, what that meant. Let's put this in context for a second. The district is involved in a big discussion right now about, and has set the goal for a long time, that there should be a good school in every neighborhood. And that this long-standing status quo that we've had of people in some of these areas feeling a significant incentive to take their children to other parts of the, of the district or, or to charter schools to try to reverse that trend and keep them at their neighborhood schools and to make those neighborhood schools something to be proud of. And so this is a data point that would sort of do violence to that to that effort, right? And and would totally. be something you would want to address. And and you know, one board member did uh, basically admit the same thing to me. Um, John Lee Evans, who represents a different part of town, he he specifically cited the district's plan that you did, which is the goal to have a quality school in every neighborhood. And he acknowledged that if we have schools showing up on this list of most underperforming schools, that does mean we haven't reached this goal of having a quality school in every neighborhood. Now, Southeastern San Diego is uh, traditionally a a center of of power for the African-American community. Um, and, and yet the demographics of the school and the area have changed quite a bit. What's the, what are the demographics of Porter? It's a significant number of kids there who can't afford school lunch, for example, right? Yes. I mean, you're talking in the 90s percent wise for how many students receive free and reduced lunch. That's a really imperfect metric for measuring poverty, but it's, it's kind of the best we have in schools. And the school is about, I think, 60, 65 percent Latino, about 15 percent African American. I think there's a very, very small percentage of of white kids at that school. So the discussion did eventually reach official board meeting. There was a sort of hearing or a presentation about it, correct? That's right. Even though Sharon Whitehurst Payne, uh, the board member who represents that area, didn't really comment to me, uh, I was told that behind closed doors, she was pushing the staff to create a information session on what's going on at Porter at a board meeting. And that did actually uh, come to pass. There was a board meeting. Um, I would like to welcome everyone present today and those watching the broadcast. And lots of community members showed up for it. And there was a presentation by the area superintendent and the principal of Porter Elementary, uh, Graciela Chavez. And so basically the night started out with a presentation from those guys. Uh, we are honored to provide an update on Porter Elementary. So the mission at Porter Elementary School for many years has been to secure for all students a superior, meaning-centered... And they wanted to tell us about what was going on in the school. And they did acknowledge safety problems and attendance problems. They, 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 they generally acknowledge safety problems. They didn't talk about specifics, but they talked about, um, you know, the kind of trauma that is associated with poverty and how there might be a lot of kids in Porter who are coming in 
not ready to learn because of you know just the the deficits they face um about 95 out of 100 of those students are socio socially economically disadvantaged which then makes them a hundred percent title one school they talked about a curriculum that they've been implementing all year that's supposed to be fixing that it's called the Sanford Harmony curriculum and it's supposed to be something where you're checking in with students before the class starts to see how everybody's feeling see where they're at in their head make sure they've had breakfast and then you're like checking in and you're checking out with them at the end of class in the same way like how did that go for everybody I mean the and and that was great obviously that they were talking to the community about that but the concerns raised in my story and the concerns that community members raised are that whatever's happening in Porter, people feel unsafe now. And so you've been implementing this Sanford Harmony curriculum for a year, and it clearly does not seem to be working for some people. This often happens. Sometimes there's a discussion about some real structural issues of uh, resource inequity or safety or you know, performance or something. And, and the discussion about the schools though, ends up in this, in this area of, of words that are hard to, to nail down and, and kind of a peripheral symbolic discussion. Is that what you're describing? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, so it was, there was a lot of that. I mean, it was, a, it was a conversation where there was tons of jargon a level one high priority in becoming a high reliable school for learners has an, effect, and for an effect size of 0.72 which equates to almost two year gain in academic growth and, and some of it was just basically indecipherable in in terms of what they were talking about what they were doing at this school i mean i think the example of the Sanford Harmony curriculum was a concrete example that they gave. And really, in a 30-minute in a presentation, it was the only one. The rest of it was, it did feel a little bit like throwing words at the problem. And that is exactly how the community felt. When, they, when the community came to the microphone after the presentation was over, they were like, we don't understand this disconnect between this presentation you just gave and what we're hearing, but but it's two different realities. Unfortunately, the presentation about Porter that was given tonight and the recent letter that was provided to Porter families by the principal simply fails to capture or even acknowledge the numerous ongoing issues, experiences, and grievances of many of the students, parents, teachers, and staff at Porter. I would like to bring your attention to a few of these issues. And you had some board members uh, like John Lee Evans kind of acknowledge that in his comments, like, well, what what is going on with these disconnects? He said that, well, he, taught, he was talking to Superintendent Cindy Martin, and he was like, well, can't we just have like um, – our communication staff go into each of these schools on the list and and just do a very honest, candid report about what's working in the school and what's not working in the school. And I just almost had to chuckle to myself that he thought that the communication staff was going to engage in that kind of activity. <laughs> um, so, to what extent did like that? Did they say it's actually a communications problem? They often do that versus it's you know something bigger that we need to address. Yes. And I, that seemed to be what uh, John Lee Evans was saying that, you know, he, he didn't doubt that everything great was happening in Porter, but he did it. He acknowledged, he only acknowledged a communications problem rather than acknowledging a real, real problem in the school. Maybe they should let reporters 
just do that work, right? <laughs> Go in there and check it out. <laughs> All right. Did anything else happen in the, in the meetings? Was there another meeting? How did it go? Meetings on top of meetings <laughs> on top of meetings. Um, so, you know, after we heard from John Lee Evans and a couple of other board members, um, it kind of ended with Sharon Whitehurst Payne talking again. It's her district. She's the one who brought forth this information item. And she, she kind of, uh, you know, looks to the superintendent and she's trying to reassure the community. And she's like, okay, guys, just, just remember overall, all of these schools that are on the list, in fact, they all have a, a plan, right? And she kind of looks at, at Cindy Martin and then she, and then she reaffirms her own question. She's like, yes, all these schools definitely have a plan. Thank you. And uh, overall, all of the schools that are on the list, in fact, every school has a plan, I understand, right? So this, the schools that are at the bottom, they definitely have a plan. And, uh, you know, I and then, I mean, there was no gavel, but that was kind of the end, end of it that, that the school district hasn't done a great job communicating what they're doing in these schools, and it's unclear to community members if something substantive is happening in these schools. I've never come across a problem in education that officials can't just throw words and jargon at, and I think that the door is being left wide open to add an addendum, another piece of paper to a piece of paper saying what great stuff we're doing and kind of that's where we're left. So we have uh, a list of schools that are underperforming in California. On that is a school named Porter Elementary. And you hear from people, parents and an actual counselor at the school about some problems at the top of which is a literal feeling of safety, whether they can go there and be safe which seems like the primary responsibility of a student before anything else can happen or of a school. And then uh, that gets accelerated by civil rights uh, activists and advocates who see this as a basic issue of inequity. And that makes its way all the way to the board and an official discussion. And there are some official things that get kicked off this discussion of continuous improvement and an addendum to that. What else could Porter parents look forward to? One thing that's happened as a result of our reporting um, is that uh, the district kicked off some community engagement stakeholder plans at Porter. And uh, at one of those, no parents came to. Another was a group of about 10 parents who, who came together and shared their various concerns about the school, some some very, very serious and some less so, but but everyone concerned. I think, um, you know, we're certainly going to keep following the story at Porter. And I think that when parents come together and demand answers from the school system, they, they can get them. I, I'm still hearing from the counselor and I'm still hearing that there's problems. Um, so I think that... Uh, I don't know if that's a very satisfying answer to what comes next, but but I think we have to wait and see. A lot of this was kicked off by that counselor. Have you heard from her since the story came out? Yes, uh, I have talked to Keishana, and um, you know what she's telling me actually is that they're talking about cutting her hours next year at Porter, and she is you know one, one of the issues she raised initially was that this school does not have enough counseling support because of all the trauma that is there. And so next year, she's quite possibly going to have to split her time between two different schools. But 
she's telling me, even though she's still seeing the same problems going on before we got involved, before the school district got involved, she's saying, you know, she's going to stay because she feels a real loyalty to this neighborhood and to these kids and trying to give them the best she can. Will Huntsbury, thank you. Thanks, Scott. You know, I know you told me you feel like this is your community and you are trying to work to make it the best place you can. Do you just keep um, keep that going? Uh, why stop? I mean, you've <laughs> already gone so far, <laughs> so deep. Um, why why stop? And, and no, because what I'm showing, what I'm showing students, what I'm showing parents, what I'm showing fellow community members, is that we all have a voice. We can collectively or individually speak, um, you know, our truth and what we see. And as long as we're there to help our communities grow, I think we're all doing what's needed. This has been Good Schools for All from Voice of San Diego. I'm Scott Lewis. Keep up with the entire season. Be sure to subscribe. We're dropping a new episode every two weeks this semester. Our education reporter is Will Huntsbury, and you can see all of his work and the rest of our team's education coverage at voiceofsandiego.org slash education. The rest of the team on this podcast is Nate John, Adriana Heldes, and Megan Wood. Thanks for listening. Talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs>